welcome to 12 questions hello hello and we're coming to you uh live from the all jane comedy festival which explains why my male co-hosts are not here because they're not invited fuck them fuck them <laughs> that's, that's it sad. sorry guys <laughs> sorry um and on this podcast because it's like an anonymous podcast i ask people to introduce themselves how they'd like to be introduced mm-hmm. i used to say identify yourselves and everybody started being like non-binary like a woman i think i don't know but like <laughs> how would you <laughs> like to introduce yourself on this 12-step podcast um because i'm going to be talking about some pretty intense stuff here probably so let's go with uh let's just go with keisha <gasps> oh hey keisha hey. Hey. that way people know i'm black even though i sound like this <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm black. I love this. And Keisha, you're a super funny comedian. Um, that d- just I don't know. I don't know. Figure. Go to the All Jane website and maybe like figure some shit out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it won't be too hard. <laughs> be too hard. Um, uh, yeah. And so we, how we met, we were on a show together and you watched me do a funny, I don't know why I did. I, I had to like literally call my sponsor afterwards. I was like, I just did the weirdest thing in the world. <laughs> she was like, what did you do? And I was like, well, they offered to give me money. I thought it was $3. It turns out it was seven. And I was like, no, please donate it for the next one. Like in a 12 step kind of a way, like in a, like, like seven tradition, like 12 step kind of a way. And there, and your response was so right on. It was just like, you got to let those blessings flow. Mm-hmm. Can't block your blessings. Yeah. Don't I shut like, the door on your blessings. Girl, I've been blocking my blessings for a while. I feel like I'm like, uh, 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 uh. I'm like, yeah. I can't even accept a, a beautiful latte. Yeah, that was a struggle. <laughs> I was like, is there a caffeine thing that she doesn't want to tell me about? I don't no. know. But I'm like, please take this coffee. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're a delight. Yeah. And You're, it's a pretty coffee. It's so. beautiful. It's yeah. delicious. Um, okay. So we're here. We're doing it. Yeah. I'm going to ask you 12 questions okay. from a recovery perspective. And mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to get more into this like... I mean, like this whole, so you're like a power of attraction kind of a person, right? I am, but like before that kind of stuff, because like I was into that before that came out. I've been okay. into it my whole life because I was kind of raised that way. Okay. So, yeah. So you just, your parents were like, you gotta, you gotta make it happen. You gotta. Yeah. They were all, well, they were always like on a path of discovery. Um, so like they took me to an ashram when I was like eight years Whoa. old. Yeah. So I've been like kind of immersed in different meditation techniques and traditions my whole life. So I love it. What's your favorite one? Um, you know, it's funny. Everybody asks me that and I don't, I can't name a single one that I do. Um, I do them all. Like I'll do ones where I'm like doing sound meditation where I'll just like listen to like ambient sounds that like, like are in any environment. Like I could be in the middle of a like crazy intersection and I'll just like listen to like trucks and horns and I do this whole thing where I'm like well if I can hear the sounds they're going through me that means they're a part of me and we are all one and connected um so I do that I like that (laughs) I'm sure it has a name I just don't know what it is um and then I do ones where I do like where I like try to feel everything like I try to like feel you know the air on my skin and so that kind of like drifts off like I do all sorts of different techniques depending on like the oh I like that mindfulness that's mindfulness meditation yeah Yeah. I almost said medication that was fun so it's it's medication without medication that's the beauty of it yeah I used to do in Long Beach they had yoga on the bluff it was like community based yoga this yoga studio would have like their teachers in training would go basically teach outside for donations and it would be like 50 to 100 people like twice a day it was really amazing because their whole their whole thing was like 
like making the world a better place. Okay. It was crazy. And it would be outside and people, you would hear like the horns, you'd hear like the, the sounds of the street because the mm-hmm. street was like nearby. And occasionally you'd hear somebody like honking. They'd be like, burr, burr, yoga. <laughs> they'd be all excited. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's easy, I think, to like go up into a mountain where it's quiet and be peaceful and meditate. Yeah. But that's not how the world works. Like I always say like to truly, like, Genius. like in order to truly be calm, like you have to be able to do it in the midst of chaos. It's like, like the world we live in is so toxic it's almost like if you're trying to be mindful it's like an alcoholic trying to if the whole world were a bar yeah like everything around us is something that can like pull us into toxicity and that's, that's comedy that's stand-up comedy for anybody in recovery <laughs> yeah. if it's not the drugs and the alcohol it's the character defects and the resentment yeah like it's all and so it's it's that's a it's a yoga it's called yoga on the bluff yeah I, when you I first thought you said yoga on the blunt and I was like, ah, well, I'm sure everybody there is high. It is Long Beach. They were like, we're so glad you formally legalized weed because in Long Beach we've been living this life. <laughs> Which, and they're going to release everybody, right? Who's in jail for. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be defenses? nice? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice yeah. if they were just like, you know, all those people that did like way too much time over. Uh, uh, and who are still doing time? And are still doing yeah, time. I yeah. Uh, I, uh, okay, so let's get into it. What is your. Um, what is your experience of surrender? Oh God. Wow. That's a heavy question. Okay. Mm. What is my experience of surrender? I, um, to come right out with it, I was in a situation, uh, several years back where I had to make some decisions, uh, that I used tarot cards to make those decisions. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) And it was a pretty big life decision. It was, uh, deciding, uh, whether or not I was going to escape a country with my child. And I had to give it up to the universe. I literally was like, I'm surrendering to this. And I did the tarot, and it said that the outcome was going to be okay. And so I went for it. And that is the biggest moment of surrender in my life, because if it went poorly, I would be in prison and everything would what? be terrible <laughs> okay so what country were you escaping um can you talk about yeah, it? We'll, we'll say a south american country whoa yeah yeah <laughs> and you were down there for because you're like you're like me you're like a grown woman who's lived a whole life before yeah. comedy and yeah. i love this <laughs> like were you de- like what were you what were you doing down there i had a business and, down there i went down there when i was in grad school okay and i had been down there for uh, almost eight years and i my daughter was born though when i first got there like I'd been there okay. for like two two I think three years before okay. she was born um so I lived there my ex was uh from that country and so uh, but we split up like when she was one and then things just went haywire because apparently breaking up with somebody is not something you're supposed to do <laughs> oh god <laughs> things got things went haywire it went crazy yeah it, it went haywire like family involved that kind of thing yeah and just like a lot of abuse a lot of verbal no. abuse like not not a ton of physical it was mostly like verbal yeah. um a lot of like manipulation emotional abuse gaslighting um, kind of ga- stuff. oh my god yeah. but like really bad and i went from being like a super strong person who was like very like focused and even before going down there like meditation was like a big part right. of my life um and so a lot of it was like well maybe this is what i'm supposed to be going through in my life and so i accepted a lot of things that i maybe wouldn't have um, because I think I meditated so much to the point that I'd become like a doormat. So I would just allow anybody Whoa. to treat me any kind of way because I was like, well, maybe this is the suffering that I'm supposed to do to get to the, like the next 
stage in my life, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Um, so the moment of surrender was when I said, like, we're going for it. And, you know, que sera, sera. And you did it. You got yeah, out. I got out. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love... I. I hate that you had to go through something so mm-hmm. terrible, but I love this story because what you what you do is you come past. First off, you're talking about that a thing I hear a lot, especially in LA. You'll hear people like justify staying stuck in a bad situation, but mm-hmm. they'll use the language of self help or they'll mm-hmm. use the language you see it in twelve step a lot. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll hear like that language of like, well, maybe I'm the one reacting to it. Maybe I'm just codependent and I need to work on it. And it's like no, maybe you're in an incompatible relationship right. and maybe. Maybe that person is totally abusive and it's time for you to move on mm-hmm. because together you cannot be, you cannot be our best people. Right. And it, he sounds like with anyone, he can't be his best person. But when you're fleeing a country, that's, that's, that's awful. Like, yeah. <laughs> how many, how, how long were you guys together? Like, um, we were together, I think for about three years. So like we were together for okay. about a year before, um, I think I got pregnant, uh, almost immediately after, so I was down there, I was going back and forth and vacationing, and I got pregnant like a year after um, having met met him, and we were like actually living together. Oh. Um, and then we split up when our daughter was one. So I think like roughly three years. It's funny, because like the same way, uh, like I have hazy memories of so much. Like there's whole chunks wow. and swaths of my life that I don't remember. People that I've hung out with, like I've said, oh my God, you gotta meet my daughter, and they're like, I did like don't you remember like we I'm the same way like we came and we, and it's like but with trauma like yeah it's almost like whatever piece of the brain that that was on yeah. like you kind of like it's gone yeah your brain has your brain and your body detach from the experience mm-hmm. it's for your own self mm-hmm. it's for your own your safety right. your mental safety have you ever read the body keep score no there should be like if there was a drinking game associated with the sobriety podcast every time i brought it up and if it's, it's um it's this book about I'll show I'll I'll text you a picture of it. I cannot remember the author's name for as much as I talk about the book. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, it's all about the connection between the body and the mind and mm-hmm. trauma. Okay, and oh. so he starts with like interviewing these like Vietnam vets like at the beginning of his career, and then he moves on to like early like uh, sexual assault survivors like in you know early childhood assaults on and he talks about like the health there's the whole neurological effects of trauma mm-hmm. and talks about like the increased risk obviously of like anxiety and that kind of stuff but also like um, autoimmune diseases and really you know um, spinal stuff like your body just starts to react to the, the chemical release in your brain, like the things that trauma does to your brain are an actual health risk. Mm-hmm. And there's also a really good TED talk about that because there was a pediatrician that was like, I don't understand why I have all these kids with like serious health problems. Mm-hmm. They're so young. She was in a, in a free clinic for a residency and they started tracking trauma. Mm-hmm. And instead of like giving medications for ADHD and all this depression and anxiety for kids, they started doing um, mindfulness trauma reduction. Mm-hmm. And so they started doing like yoga and like more talk therapy and including, you know, including treating the the problem, which she saw primarily was trauma. So that's completely, I, I think you'd really like that book. Yeah, it, it was like really explain the memory chunking and the okay. whole thing that's all super duper common. Huh. Like, and I'm, I'm a very obsessed with like the mind uh, body connection yeah. as well. Like, I, I, like if you don't release those toxins, whether those toxins be, you know, thoughts, yeah. like it manifests in, Yes. Your whole person. Yes. 
It just does. So. It, it, it truly does. Yeah. Like I had to, like I was doing, I had come really far in my life and I had like done a bunch of therapy and like done a bunch of work and I hadn't really worked on that connection. Like I'd done, and he talks about it in the book, um, these, uh, veterans, they would do go talk therapy, do medication, do whatever it was, but eventually they would regress. And then I had some health mm. problems because I hadn't dealt with any of the body stuff. I had some serious, serious health problems and maybe they're related, maybe they're not, but you know, it certainly has been an interesting journey because once the health problems came up, all the trauma came back up again. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was just like, whoa. And I have, I've been actively dealing with that. Um, so yeah, you've got to read that book. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause the memory thing is what happened. People would come up to me when I first got sick and they'd be like, don't you remember meeting me? And I'd be like, I'm honest with them. I'm like, you know what? I was really sick at that time of my life. And I kind of don't, I'm like, like, I'm so glad I met you again though. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're like, allow me to reintroduce myself. Yeah, yeah, let me allow me to reintroduce myself. I was full of crazy hormone treatments. Wow. I have no idea what was going on. Wow. So, but it totally, I don't want to make this podcast about me because I will. Um, uh, but what I'm saying is I completely relate to that experience. Right. Like that is your, your survivor. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Thank it's you. amazing. Does he try to like, like contact you? Oh, or? there was a whole trial. There was, it, it wasn't like it was a smooth transition. Oh. Like, you know, because I, I left everything behind. Um, did you feel like locked into that decision uh, extra? Cause you left everything behind to, well, it was, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was one of the, when we left, it was like goodbye and we're never coming back. Like I knew I was leaving behind my house, my belongings, my, yeah. Like, I mean, I owned my home, like, outright. Like, yeah. it was, like, literally leaving behind. I lived there for almost eight years, so it was, like, my entire, everything, my friends. And yeah. I knew I'd never be able to go back. Right. Um, but I also knew that if we stayed, it was almost like death was imminent because there was a, it, there was a situation he had allowed us to leave or he allowed me to leave um, and tricked me. So when I came back to pick her up, like, I left to start my job, get... Um, situated, find a school, an apartment, yeah. and then when I went back, um, uh, he he surprised me with the whole like oh like he filed that I abandoned her that uh. I disappeared without telling anybody, and so it ended up being like a legal battle down there, and then I finally like I, I couldn't take it anymore. I was like this is it like it's this is like we need we need to live we need and I couldn't keep leaving my daughter behind like yeah. as I was trying to like fight it because I, yeah. I couldn't lose my job so I had to like fly back and forth like I can't even remember how many times. Um, and ultimately, uh, there ended up being a, like a whole international kidnapping trial. Like it was, yeah, it was a big thing. (laughs) It was a big thing. You've lived scandal. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. What I said, what I was like saying earlier, like scandal is like my favorite show. It was actually an episode of scandal that gave me kind of the courage and thought to do it. I think it was season one, episode four where a woman who is married to a South American dictator um, sort of defects, if you will, while she's in the U.S. And um, he thinks that she's been kidnapped, but really she's actually hiding in a woman's shelter with their children. And they resolve it by the end of the episode, and she stays in the U.S. with with one of the children, and then one of the kids goes back uh, with him. And I was like, okay, if that woman, if that fictional woman... (laughs) If this fictional woman can get out, I can too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. We never know what that art's going to lead to, right? Well, so like that's part, like I've always been, I was an artist before I went down there. Like that's to me what comedy is for me. Like, okay. 
comedy, I started doing comedy in the middle of all of this. Wow. Because it was the most, it was the most healthy thing I could think to do to preserve my sanity. And so I literally, I went to my first open mic on January 8th and this was, I, so like two months after being accused of abandoning my child, I started doing comedy. So this was, wow, so January 8th, what year? 2014. Girl, so much has happened. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh my God, you're doing great. <laughs> you're doing Thank you. great. Thank you. I feel good. I feel good. It's been it's been a long like step to recovery. That's why I think I was so interested in the podcast because I was like I feel like the steps that I had to take yeah. to um, very similar. Yeah, there's as far as recovering from the trauma and, and and really an addiction to to feeling miserable because I had gotten so used to yeah. it that that was just. That was like, oh, that's how my life is. It's just going to always you can be sad get and stuck, terrible. You can get stuck in the trauma yeah. and be like, this defines me. And yeah. it, it doesn't define you in any yeah. way. It doesn't it have was, to, yeah. Yeah, not at all. That's You're incredible. You're oh, an inspiration. <laughs> okay, so what is your, um, what is your, like most insane moment? It sounds like this is already, you could have already answered it. It sounds like this is also like, was that sort of your most insane moment in your life or like um i've had a lot of insane moments in my life like uh i would say like my insane milestones where they've changed me like situations um i was um i like that milestones i love that well because if you use them as transformational steps like trauma can be something that you grow from and then you know and maybe it's a maybe it's a way of reframing you know, bad things that happen, but I also feel like that thing happened. So if I don't reframe it, then I, I give it the power. And so I have to like, I have right. to, for me, for my own like health, mental health, I have to say like, Oh, well, so like I grew up, I had a traumatic, traumatic childhood. Like my yeah. dad's bipolar. So those were like, there, there are a lot of like defining moments there. So I was already at like, kind of like a survivor at a super young age. Yeah. Um, or at least was aware that the world was kind of evil. Um, in yeah. a sense, like I, I was never kind of a Pollyanna about like, oh my God, like people are nice and good. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I've known people have sucked since I was like six. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and then I think probably the most defining moment that probably like led me to getting, going to uh, South America, even in the first place is right uh, before September 7th, 2001, I got raped. And then September 11th happened four days later. So that September was really bad. What a... You know what? Can I just say, like, you're just like, to have the worst thing happen, the worst thing happen, and then have the country go through this, like, gigantic trauma, and so you're like, I'm going through my own personal trauma, and the country's like, hey... This happened. Well, and and I sorry about your pain, but this just happened. And my like mo, even at the time, was like I sat there. You know, I went to the rape crisis center. Treat, I think it was rape treatment center um, in in L. A. And because I was living in L. A. at the time, and I was like, at least I'm alive. Like all these people have just died. And the counselor was like, Yeah, but this happened to you. I go, Yeah, but I'm alive these people died and she's like well you're using it as a buffer and i'm like these people died what a powerful com- like like counselor to be like hold on get back in here 
this happened. Right. But I never did. Like, I mean, I went through the whole counseling yeah. I took antidepressants and you know, I did the best I could, but like I was a writer at the time I stopped writing. Like I couldn't, yeah. like I was a poet and like I couldn't write. I didn't write for like two years. Um, and so that really changed me cause it just changed, uh, those two things happening back to back. Um, yeah. and I was kind of, uh, you know, I, I was like, you know, dark, good citizen of the, you know, year award winner in high school. Like I was kind of like a goody two shoes. Yeah. Like I was like a good, and so all of those things like happening, like I was just kind of like, fuck the world. Yeah. Fuck men. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just going to live my life and fuck everything. Yeah. Yeah. So what changed it? Like, so you had this counselor and they were like, please feel this. And mm-hmm. you were like, but this bigger thing is happening. Mm-hmm. What changed it? Was it really after the marriage that everything kind of, kind of all sunk in or? Um, no, I think like I ended up after that, I ended up marrying. So I've, I've been married twice. Um, Go and for I you. wasn't, and I wasn't married to my daughter's father. So Go technically I've had three. Go um, for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, uh, I started dating a friend of mine who worked at the gym nearby Okay. and it, but it wasn't, it wasn't healthy. There was nothing healthy in my life at the time. Like yeah. this, everything was terrible. He was an alcoholic, like yeah. that I started smoking weed, like heavily, like self-medicating, like for anxiety, like everything was pretty bad. Um, I was still living my life, you know, like I applied to grad school. Like it wasn't yeah. that I wasn't living my life, but internally I was kind of like, everything's terrible and it's never going to be okay yeah. again. Did you file charges? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I did. And I, I like, you. you know, with the why I didn't report stuff, I'm like, not only I, I tracked him down cause I figured I was like, I bet you this is a dude. It was a, it was a stranger. And I was like, I bet you this is a dude who does this. And so I was like, it happened on a Thursday night. I had been living in West Hollywood and it was, it happened like I was coming out of rage and this, these two people were like, Oh, like I was wasted. And they're like, and I also was wasted cause I was like, I just moved to West Hollywood. It's safer Whoa. than Hollywood. So I'm cool. I'm in the gay neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, everything's fine. And they helped me home. And then all of a sudden, like, I mean, I must have kept passing out. And then it was just him and he was on top of me. And like, she was gone. And I was like, what the fuck? And um, I woke up the next morning completely naked. Um, And so I went uh, that following. So that was a Thursday. That following Thursday, I went back to that intersection with four of my friends and my mom and a put in my purse like I think it was like cable I was gonna beat him I don't know what I was gonna do (laughs) and I walked like Santa Monica Boulevard until I like and then all of a sudden something just told me and I look in I don't know if that diner is still there but there's like a diner that's like kind of right by I think there's a Ramada or something yeah and I look in and that motherfucker was working in the diner he was a busboy in the diner and I just walked straight up to him and I was like hey remember me And he's like, oh, you were so... And I just turned to my family and I throw my cell phone and I'm like, call 911, it's him. And it took the cops, like, I don't know how long. They took him, it took him like seven minutes or something to get there. So by the time he got there, even though the West Hollywood station's like yeah. right there. So he was already gone. Um, and he like fled the country. Then he came back and 
blah 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 and anyway long story short like it was terrible the whole situation was exactly Jesus. how you would expect it like they're like oh well how many people did you sleep with like when I like went <gasps> for like the whole rape kid stuff how many people did you sleep with and I'm like I don't know maybe I've slept with a hundred but I wanted to sleep with them so yeah that's the difference <laughs> Ooh. oh no it was terrible it was so terrible so so they ended up not prosecuting because they didn't have enough evidence from the rape kit and they're like it's his word against your word and I'm like fuck all of you did your mom beat him up? No. And interestingly enough, we, a year or so later, my boyfriend, the guy that I started dating, we, this will tell you how long ago this was, we ran into, well, it was 2001, we ran into him at the Blockbuster. <laughs> and... Did you at least get his membership canceled? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I want to speak to your manager. This man is a rapist. He does not get to see Vicky Cristina Barcelona. <laughs> No tapes for him. <laughs> yeah. No, my ex just like yelled at him and, you know, my wow. ex was like a really big guy. And this guy was actually very little, um, which like dispels like a lot of stereotypes. Like I'm strong. I'm like five, yeah. ten. Like this is like not like I was not the stereotypical. Like this shouldn't have yeah. happened to me kind of bullshit. Um, yeah. So that was like a very defining kind of like moment in my life because <sighs> I kind of realized the government up until then, like I thought, I thought. You like, believed in the system. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. really did. Like, I'm from, like, a small suburb, you know? Like, yeah. I was like, like, you go and you report, and then they take the evidence, and then they prosecute the person, and they go to jail, and blah. And that's when I realized, oh, that's not how the world works. Oh, my God. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's... It's so long ago now that it doesn't... It, but, yeah. But it took, like, 10 years before it stop becoming a thing like for the first three months i told everybody that i met like oh yeah i got raped like because i was like this this happened to me like i tell people on dates they're like um. <laughs> they're like you shouldn't say that i'm like what well, happened people i would i would be on like <laughs> tinder dates and people would go like uh what's your uh what's your family like and i'd be like oh dad everyone's dead <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> like really dead <laughs> like not kidding i'm like batman <laughs> be like and I, if they could giggle at that i'd be like all right second date but if they just like ran out of the restaurant which is normally it um that was You're like you want the truth you can't handle, you can't the, truth. handle the truth <laughs> maybe we'll talk about my family later <laughs> and my dude he was so funny when we first started dating we were like i remember we were like hanging out at his house and we we're just sitting there like making out and he was like so tell me about your family stuff. And I told him, I was like, listen, I really like you. So how about we talk about this over time? Like, how about you get to know me? Because I've done a lot of work. I've done a ton of work. And I'm way on the other side of a lot of these feelings. And so let's get to know each other. And then I'll tell you about my childhood. And, and then I'll tell you about, like, when they died. But, like, right now, third date. Nah. <laughs> That's a very pragmatic and healthy way to address it, too. Like, the fact that you're able to just... I mean, obviously, you said you did the work. So, yeah. like, the fact that you did the work and you're able to, like, articulate the way you would like to go through the process of revealing that to somebody. Right. And, and because at the end of the day, like, there's vulnerability for you, but for this person, like, they're also in a yeah. sense vulnerable to that information especially if they're in the process of like learning to care about you exactly yeah. well it's a way to push somebody away right. to be like and here's all my trauma and then they're like oh right 
Yeah, it's like it's like going to the thrift store and getting that one grab bag that says a dollar, and you open it up, and you're like, oh, everything smells like poop. <laughs> Weird. I'm like not going there again. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> so, <laughs> and it's not the stuff's fault. Just needs a wash. Yeah. The stuff's used to it. You know, <laughs> stuff's been in the bag all the time. But you're you're a fucking hero, man. Like oh. that's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> I love that all those people rallied around you too. Cause oh, that's like yeah. the big part is support. And I think like, you know, it's like, I feel like so many people think they are alone because we just haven't as a society. That's just not the thing that we do is learn to seek support in a healthy way and then accept it when yeah. it comes. Like we barely even want to accept it if it comes without asking. So it's right. like just that ask. And I think as women, it's harder to, ask um like we're always like oh, i don't want to put you out i don't yeah wanna, you know and i think like i like i'd rather go way the opposite direction like i really like that's what i want for women right now is like like i the whole blackout thing i'm kind of like uh, what was that i was just sort of like i'm not a real social media person because i feel like it's just killing us mm-hmm. as people yeah, so like it is. i've been hopping on facebook more for the festival mm-hmm. and i got that message mm-hmm. I saw a lot of women We're just like, put no. aggressively no. Yeah. I aggressed every person that sent it to me. I was like, let's burn shit instead. Let's burn shit down. How about we burn shit? Um, yeah. It, How about we, we march, we riot, we, get, we, do, we do the stuff that, like, my grandmother's totally insane, but she's also been arrested for civil disobedience three nice. times. Nice. She will chain herself to any fence. Yes. <laughs> she's, like, so fun like that. And I feel like, you know, there's this whole thing of, like, what is it going to matter? It doesn't really matter. And it's like, no, it matters. It worked before yeah. in impossible circumstances for people who weren't even considered people at the time. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. And it's like power is not something. I think it's Franz Fanon. It's like you don't. Um, they don't give away power. You have to take it. And yeah. I think what men in this society have to realize is that at some point, women are going to realize their power. Yes. And we're gonna take it. Yes. And we can either do this nicely. Yeah. <laughs> or we can burn shit. You know, I don't know. Like, it feel seems like, like we're going to burn shit. I, mean, I feel like, like we're on the way to burning shit. <laughs> My friend, she's so beautiful. She's like in her 50s and her dad has been like, he's been writing his whole life. He writes these beautiful fictional stories. And he wrote one about when men finally lose, when the patriarchy finally loses. Mm-hmm. And his dystopian future is that like women are not going to be kind at all. Oh, <laughs> he's like they don't deserve the kindness, and so. And this is the thing: women, th- like, women will be kind. We'll cuddle them, and we'll be nice to them, and we'll feed them well. Because this is the thing: that's that's how powerful we are. Is that we don't feel the need, and I don't want to speak like for all women, but I feel like in we general, don't feel the need for wrath. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. ours is always like almost a reaction to to being taken advantage of yeah like we don't just like revenge isn't our thing we're more like this is a teachable moment right (laughs) because that's the thing you know what i think somebody (laughs) needs to explain that to the other side to be like here's the deal here's the deal when we say burn shit down we're not meaning the way that you guys do Mm -hmm. we're not gonna burn things down and like lock people up in cages Mm -hmm. and you know and and treat them but okay (laughs) like like well unless they're consenting i don't know maybe that's their thing um but like we're, we're not going to burn shit down in the sense of like well i guess you know for here's what i mean they commit a crime obviously okay here mm-hmm. we go um 
But what I mean is we're, it's not burn shit down in the aggressive, like, male takeover kind of a way. It's more of a burn the system down and let's everybody talk about our feelings, which for them is more terrifying. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, men don't like to go to therapy, right? Like, it's like, that would be, they're like, what? Wait, yeah, address our, what? Yeah. Uh, no. Exactly. You're going to yeah. lower your voice and you're going to actually yeah. think about why you're addressing me that way uh, because I have the power in this relationship. <laughs> right, right. So I need you to, like, figure your shit out. Or we could just burn it all down and yeah. put them all in cages. I don't yeah. know. Well, and I think they just—they need to go to a conference. They need to have. <laughs> we need to. Have, we need to just put them on pause and have like all the convention halls in all the cities. Mm-hmm. They just need to be f- told they have to report to uh, some some trainings. They have to report to their local Manway con- distributors. <laughs> uh, they have to go to a conference, take over lobbies. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, read like, a bunch of Gloria Allred's work. Oh my God. It's just like, you know, oh, watch I, RBG in a loop. Like, I think we've been very lucky that we're at this festival at this particular point in time because we've been kind of. I don't True. Know. We all got off the plane and everybody was like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> we're, go- we're at this female festival and this Kavanaugh guy's just screaming. <laughs> like we've just been surrounded and especially because we're used to having to be in a male dominated field. Yeah. Like it's like, oh, it's like literally like the Shangri-La of like what it is to be a, like a, a female comedian right now is to just like be in the space where it's like all we have to do is listen to other awesome women talk for the next four days. Yeah. Cool. And like be cool with each other, and like remember that the competition is a farce that's outside of you know that's the, this is the, not a co- this yeah. is just like fucking love. Yeah, this like, is like let's hear each other and the things that we have to say and like cheer each other yes. on, and it feels very. I'm like never leaving. I know it's pretty great. Yeah. I did a show afterwards last night, and we were like. Uh, they let me do like 15 I was just like feeling myself and I was like hey guys if you're ever in LA I want to share with you their joke it's like the only like a major club in LA this is the only time a booker's ever complimented me and I would just want you to hear the joke because it's like the most insensitive joke in my repertoire it's like brutal it's about a rape whistle and like and I'm because it's someone gave me one on Amazon and she told me it was like worth five stars on Amazon she's like this is the number one rated rape whistle which I thought was such a funny thing to say (laughs) you're gonna love it it's so good it was it's also used for bears um it's pretty great um but she uh so i do the joke and i was like i just i wanted to do that so you know when you're in la like what what it's like outside of shank <laughs> like oh, everybody here is so like soft and sweet and caring oh, God. <laughs> and i'm just like oh in la everybody's like, <laughs> like i'm gonna have to get my mitts on you know <laughs> exactly but it's a, it's a good thing and it's a beautiful thing and la is beautiful and wonderful and rough and tumble and and i love it you know but it's it's definitely this environment right now is probably the most gentle place to watch the world burn down right <laughs> I'm like, I guess I live in Portland now. Um, I, guess we're, I guess we got to stay. Because, yeah. uh, ooh. Um, yeah. Do you think they're going to confirm him? You know... This will come out afterwards, by the way, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I actually... I think... I think they might not. Really? Like, if you would have asked me this a week or so ago, I think they may not. Not because of the right reasons. I think they might not do it because it'll be such a bad look. 
Like, I think it would be such a bad look that it would hurt them in the midterms. It would hurt them in, like, future elections. So I think it might not happen. I mean, it could be possible they're just going to push them through because they want their conservative justice. But I feel like from a strategy point of view, like, from a political strategist, they should pick somebody else. Like, I feel like they'd be... they'd. Because then they can come out looking like the good guys all yeah. of a sudden. Like, they can flip the script and be like, look, we didn't confirm this guy. See, we're good Republicans. Like, everything's great. And that actually, I, it would be better for us almost in a way Yeah, for him to get confirmed. confirmed. Because then people are going to take to the freaking streets. I think he's going to get confirmed, but it's going to be like when LBJ, you know, passed, you know, when we had the 14th, 15th, 16th amendments, I think like, uh, I think we're going to lose the South for a generation where they're going to lose women for a couple generations mm-hmm. in the same way. Okay. And I think, I think he will get confirmed, but everybody will, they're going to lose women entirely. They're going to lose, they're going to have like a few, I mean, they're going to have the women that voted for Trump. Well, they're gonna they're gonna have what the, like, are, are they even like those upper class white women that like just like went hard to the pain? We're like, wow, could you do this? And <laughs> we've been making. We told you about coconut oil. How dare you? <laughs> and every time I watch the like the videos and they're of him talking, and then there's these women behind him who adore him, and I'm so like I, I actually really don't get it. Like I really don't like I I get a lot of things. Like I can put myself in other people's shoes and situations, and I'm like. Their, the evolution of their thoughts and brains has to be so uh, short-circuited to be behind it that I just... I took a women's history course in college. It was really powerful. And she, the professor, was really, really good at... She showed the women that were working against the movement the entire time as well. So we had to know... Hmm. We had to know not only, like, the heroes and the trailblazers, but we had to know, like, the women that sold out the teachers' unions. We had to know, like, the women that, like, that basically... I mean, the reason why teachers historically make less than doctors is because women were like, well, if you let us do this job, we'll do it for, like, nothing, (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah so like that and that happened in like the 1800s so like, like all comedians are women apparently then. <laughs> I know right so it's that and it gets back to that knowing your blessings and like like allowing that and knowing your worth and like mm-hmm. historically women have done this thing where we're like well we're not we're inherently less people so we're you know and it's like it's not that is not the way that is not the way so i i always remember that 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 for every you know for every uh female like trailblazer there's a woman working against because either they don't know better or because they don't believe in the cause or is it that they're like in some ways i go are all of these women abused and they just don't know it like it's like this whole like plato's cave sort of situation where like it's all they've ever known they're all in a relationship that's controlling and abusive and they have no idea or are they just pure evil like i don't know like i (sighs) i mean have you ever been in situations like where you've been booked on something and it's not like the greatest environment or it's not like the most um, friendly show to women, but you don't say anything because you're just happy to do the work or whatever. I think when those situations benefit people, they adjust their standards. I know I've definitely been there. See, I and I think maybe because I came to comedy after I was like, "Fuck this shit, I'm leaving the country." <laughs> no, like I mean, I, I, you had fully experienced like the whole thing. You're like, no. <laughs> yeah, like I, I canceled a show. It's funny. There's a there's a, a comedy spot where people there's kind of like a controversy right now over um, whether anyone should perform there because the bar is owned by a um, an abuser. 
and people are arguing about whether, and I was like, if I had to use the criteria of whether I participate in something that's owned by an abuser, I wouldn't be able to do anything in this country as a black woman. Like, I just wouldn't. And True. I, to me, I prioritize platform. So I don't even think of it as like, oh, if I'm doing a show and this show is problematic, I think of it as like, are there going to be people at this show that I want to hear my voice? Is this show a platform? Is this show an opportunity to share my perspective with people who may right. or may not agree? And I don't necessarily care about whether the environment is toxic or not. What I won't do is participate in a show that demeans me or right. women um, directly. So I pulled out of a show that was at that bar that I was supposed to do because they sent me the list of questions. And I was like, fuck these questions. It was one of those like game show type shows. And I was like, I'm not doing this. And I pulled out at the, they're Good like, well, you. but we asked, because I was like, no, I'm like, I've done this show before and you didn't, it was all dudes and you didn't ask these questions. I was like, I find these questions offensive. And so I'm not participating. So you can find somebody else. Good for you. You know, but that's also, I mean, I get, I'm, I'm older and I'm, um, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't want to take shit from anybody anymore. Like, yeah. I think you reach a point in your life where you're just kind of like, fuck this shit. Like, yeah. I'd rather burn a bridge or whatever than to right. like I love that yeah. I think there's and I love that you explain like there's your whole thought process behind it because I, I, it tends to be on the internet this very like black and white decision mm-hmm. making you're like either with them and participatory or you're against mm-hmm. and for you you're like no it's also a platform issue it's also of like you know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. if if that were the thinking back in the 70s, women would have not worked the comedy store. Exactly. <laughs> or, like, like, even now, like, Just for Laughs was it? I mean, the yeah. guy was like, uh, like, I think 40 people accused. I mean, he had to step down. It's like, yeah. so what? Like, are women just going to not do Just for Laughs anymore because right. the owner was probably, I mean, we don't yeah. have those luxuries. Yeah. It's more complicated. It's so, it's so much more nuanced. And so I try to stay out of those um, debates now because I realize it's uh, you just end up arguing with people, strangers on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to do less of that. I allow myself one argument per month with a stranger. Good for you. Yeah. I love that. That's very <laughs> spiritual of you. You're like, I'm just letting you know. That's so crazy. So how do you make... I mean, you kind of already answered this. You give, how do you make decisions in your life? Um, I tend to adhere to a pretty hardcore um, moral code. Okay. So I'm not really into laws made by um, the system or um, men because I feel like they're all inherently racist and unjust. Right. So I tend to go with what I think is morally right yeah. um, in, in the whole like do no harm sort of thing. Yeah. So for me... Any decision I take, anything that I do, I go, does this hurt me? Does this hurt somebody else? Does this help me? Does it help somebody else? Does this help everybody involved? And I try to um, only do things. And in every part of my like, if I parallel park and I didn't leave enough room for somebody else to fit their car in, and I realize, ooh, there's not really a lot of parking in the street, I will get back in my car and I will move my car. And if I look and I still didn't leave enough room, I'll get back in my car and I'll move the car. Like, So I try to... Um, I try to make decisions based on like making people feel good, um, and even in even in situations where something is um, maybe like a difficult thing and not easy to make somebody feel good, like I try to 
Um, yeah, because some people don't want to feel good. Some like people you don't hear that feel a lot good. in comedy. My favorite is, you know what I love about you is you and I have never had this. Have you, I've been in the green room. I've heard this a lot. Like, um, I don't believe in love, or I don't believe what? in. Yeah, you. I heard that last <laughs> night. Or somebody was like, you know, we just we're comedians and we're gonna be alone forever. And what? I'm like, no, I'm happy. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm happy. I'm like, I might be alone forever because I dated enough now that I'm like, it's really hard. Um, <laughs> if by alone you mean like choosing convenience over... <laughs> like I'm like, it's really hard. But I um, love that you have like a positive attitude about like life and connection and stuff. I really do. And I and I, I think it's... I cultivate it. Like I don't... Yeah. It didn't... I, like I have so many bad things have happened to me in my life or I've been a party to bad things happening to me because I, I do think through like the law yeah. of like of attraction like we do attract negative positive etc um i think it's so important to be in the right mindset at all times um and that's regardless of whether we're performers or comedians or lovers or you know employees or like yeah. i try to not try i do and when i find myself slipping into negativity like i course correct I and, and i ask myself why and it's how do you do that um, well, I, I figure out exactly why all of a sudden it's happening, right? Like I stop and I go, ooh, you're being, and then I go, why are you being? Is your ego feeling? Are you feeling like, um, you know, is somebody encroaching on like your sense of self and this is about you and you're trying to like, uh, you're trying to like impose your yourself yeah. on the situation? Like I guess, because it usually happens when I'm tired or I didn't eat well or I didn't hydrate and all of a sudden like my defenses um, like similar to like your autoimmune system being yeah. down mm-hmm. like all of a sudden my spirituality system is down and I can oh. get you know aggressive about something that I wouldn't normally get aggressive about so I, I like to try to like kind of back up from the situation and go like what's actually happening here oh, I love that like why am I why am I getting like why is this getting a rise out of me am right. I projecting yeah. like is this, does this have nothing to do with me? Yeah. And I'm, you know, so I try to just like slow down, step back, assess. And yeah. then, and then usually by at that point, like whatever the situation is, is already like, you know, but I find if I don't have like, if I don't maintain meditation like every day mm-hmm. and like time for like quiet contemplation, yeah. um, I can go zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> me, me too yesterday I was just like feeling really weird and I was like okay well I'm gonna meditate I'm gonna take a nap I'm gonna check in with my people just back home and then I went to a 12-step meeting and it was like oh. I couldn't feel sour because I went to this 12-step meeting and it's like at the basement of a rehab and like not the nicest part of downtown Portland like okay. I was like in a rough neighborhood and go to this meeting and there were like people there's a guy who shared who had like lost a leg after he was like he was like yeah I relapsed six months ago and I came back and like I lost my kids and my house and my leg and I was like what? whoa how do you lose all of those things and one fell like Jesus you know what heroin's powerful and oh, so heroin. like okay, got so it. like okay. he um he, you know it was probably an abscess situation with the leg or maybe an okay. accident I don't know but I did not ask he left a little early but it was fascinating to listen to him share because I was like oh my problems mean nothing I got back to the I got back to the like festival yesterday and I was like Ooh, like I was just like hey everybody and everyone's all, like tired and hungover and I'm like I'm refreshed <laughs> well because you got you went and got some perspective exactly exactly that's that's I, I love that you you take a second and you contemplate and you're like how can I get my perspective back mm-hmm. you know what I mean that's 
beautiful. Well, and it's, I always wonder why they, like, the work that they do in 12, because I've gone to meetings with friends, Mm -hmm. um, like my friend had her um, sobriety anniversary, so I went, and so that was, like, the first time I witnessed, like, the interaction and what people share and what they talk about. It's weird. We're not a cult, but, like, we do cult things sometimes. (laughs) But, like, that (laughs) level of reflection and having people hear you, really hear you, like, the whole world needs that right now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, the whole world needs that right now because we're all addicted to something. I think we're addicted to outrage at this point. Oh, yeah. I think everybody is just so into it, and there's so much to profit off of, you know? So they just keep pumping the outrage into the mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't keep rattling people. We used to work in a group home environment. I used to work, like, at rehabs and group homes. And when kids start banging the walls and screaming, it's because they're in this, like, outrage feedback loop. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, what do we do to de-escalate this? Mm-hmm. Like, the, hold on. The mill mm-hmm. is fucking off. What do we do? Mm-hmm. And so it's. I think we need to do that on a social level and I'm not quite sure what that's going to look like yet. I was going to ask like how do how what help what do we do? Tell me, <laughs> let's go do it now. <laughs> I think Brene I do you ever read any of Brene Brown's books or like no. watch her t- talk? I I'll send it to you. She's okay. like my hero. I love her. And I think her last three books were all about like shame and what it does to the individual, what it does to the family system, but like how to overcome it mm-hmm. and how to become a wholehearted person. And then this last book's like a very social level book. And then I think in the first chapter, she really says some hard stuff. She's like, you cannot call yourself a feminist and then go after Melania for these, you know, for surface level things. Yeah. For yeah. wearing pumps when she's going to, yeah. Exactly. 100%. It's like, and you can't, you know, you can't, you can't can't say that all Trump supporters are bad and mm-hmm. they get mad when like so she's really kind of saying like no we need to get in the middle and start having mm-hmm. a conversation mm-hmm. like um, I'm on a on this network I have another podcast and we <laughs> the, it's funny because the episode just titles very deceptive we're talking about how like makeup and bras are like not made for like a, a full color spectrum you know what I mean <laughs> and, but in the middle of it we got into this like conversation about uh, I, I basically I said Trump supporters are very good tippers and they are I'm a tour guide when I'm not doing all the comedy stuff Mm -hmm. to make a little extra money and they're great tippers absolutely great tippers we don't always agree and there's usually a tense moment where they're figuring out like what kind of Californian I am but there's like they're usually pretty good tippers and my podcast co-host got like very offended and we had a very long conversation I was like I just, I don't think it's going to help anybody if I just go, well, you voted for Trump, therefore I can't have a conversation right. with you. I don't think it's going to help them. It's not going to help me. Well, and it's, it's funny that you say that they're good tippers. And I'm now, because I'm, I'm like, well, which kind of Trump supporters are good tippers? Because I feel like they can't all be good tippers. I'm guessing, the, I'm thinking of the ones that I would go, oh, yeah, um, those are good tippers. They're usually um, like 100 and over. Because okay. I make like, they're like $800, $900 tours. Mm-hmm. So a 10% tip is like pretty good. But 15 right. is usually about 150 okay. And they hit that 15 The The nightmarish person is the person who's like, I'm super liberal and fiscally conservative. That's the nightmare person. Because they give you like forty dollars. You're like so conservative. I you're see. Like, <laughs> like they're like we agree with you. And I'm you're like, like I don't need you to agree with me. I need you to pay me right now. Yeah, like, I got I got comedy gigs. I gotta get to. It's well, you know, I I have like a I have a good friend who is a Trump supporter who is um and she's a Trump supporter because she was in the military. She's military police. She was in Afghanistan. Oh, she has P- severe PTSD. Um, and so she's like upset with the Democrats and Hillary Clinton because of 
uh, Fallujah and all things like that. Uh, um, see, I think a lot of Trump supporters are one issue people. Mm-hmm. It's either oh, yeah. like immigration or abortion. You know, abortion. Or, it's like one thing yeah. that they're just like, well, I'm going to die on this mountain for yeah. it. And, and we're all going to die on the mountain for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this mountain better be big because we're all on it now and you're right. dragging us. I mean, I've had a friends apologize and I'm kind of like, whatever. Like I it's, like friends who didn't vote or friends and I'm like, but I tried to, um, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm not actively like, we don't talk about Trump with the, this one friend and like, you know, she's so afraid her, her son is trans, uh, my daughter's trans. So that's how we okay. met and became friends even in the first place. And, um, and it shocks me because she's so mortified about how terrible the world is for trans kids right now. And I'm like, but don't you see? <laughs> I think it'll come together. I think like that's the thing about like denial and cognitive dissonance. Like you've been there with your own trauma. Like eventually she'll like, she'll, I, I have a feeling. I hope. I have hope. <laughs> I have hope because she has you in her life. You're the example. Thanks. So it's like you get to, you get to kind of show her that there's another way to think about it because yeah. that issue might be the thing that brings her to the other side when she's like, Oh, wait a minute. These people are uh, gunning for my kid. And that, that mothering instinct might take over more yeah. than, you know, that's, like, that's crazy. Yeah. And, and as everybody has their, like you said, like they all have their personal reason for some reason that they're deciding to support Trump and yeah. that, that everything's good. And how old is her daughter? And how old is your daughter? Like, My daughter's 10. Her okay. son is uh, one year older or one year younger? Okay. One year younger. So like um, actually maybe two years younger. Um, like nine, I think nine now. Yeah. What a journey. Like how, how did that journey begin? Um, for my daughter, mm-hmm. um, it was kind of obvious when she was about three, um, she was incredibly effeminate. And so I, and you know, her favorite colors were like pink and purple and she wanted a purse and I just was like, Oh, I'm going to have a gay son. Like that was kind of what, yeah. um, and then when she was able to start articulating it, I was like, Oh, well, but you know, boys can have long hair and boys can wear dresses. Um, that's the kind of like, yeah. in my mind, I was like, there's, you know, we were in South America, so I wasn't really at that time, even though I'm part of the LGBT community myself, like I identify as queer. Like I, in my mind, I was just like, it, it didn't dawn on me at the time that, oh, like she's like probably gender variant or gender nonconforming because oh, that wow. wasn't language that we were really using in South America at the time. Yeah. So even though I'd read like Stone Butch Blues, like I you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't familiar with it. It just yeah. almost like out of context for me at this point. Cause it was like, you know, flash forward 15 years. And then, um, as she got older and started articulating it more, then it became like, Oh, and then okay. I started reading more modern stuff. Like, you know, there's a book called, I think it was rainbow kids. And I was like, Oh, that's my daughter, my daughter. Oh my God. She's gender variant. And then that's when I started to look into it more. Okay. Um, and then it was like, oh, maybe she's trans. Like, oh. And then it was kind of like letting her go through her journey, her journey. and letting her be herself. And then um, when she was seven, it became aggressively like, you know, it was. It's, that's kind of the age where the girls start hanging out with the girls and the boys start hanging yeah. out with the boys in school. And, you know, her friends had always, always been girls. But then all of a sudden the girls were like, no, like, you go hang out with the boys. And she was, like, devastated. And it became this terrible thing. And um, finally, like, she just, like, came out with it. And it was, like, maybe, like, five months before that that she started wearing, like, dresses, like, at home for, like, 
New Year's she'd put on a dress like oh. you know and and so and I and I was so concerned because I didn't want it well we already had had a hard life right like at this point right. we'd already like gone through the kidnapping trial and we'd already like you know like she's black and Latina and I was like and now she's gonna be black and Latina and trans like oh my god like how are we gonna survive in this world <laughs> like right. how like we like no God. and um but it was so much easier for her to be her than for her to pretend to be a boy yeah. and so when she came out it was like it happened rapidly like it just like it was like overnight and she went to school and she told everybody and then she gave like a press conference practically like oh my she, God. she gave like a presentation to her class and they like asked questions and like she answered questions <laughs> and like she told every like she literally told the whole school like I got a call from the school and they're like well just so you know um she's going you know by this name with everybody now and we're changing all of her um paperwork what and we're changing yeah <laughs> so yeah there, there was a very very affirming environment um very it was a small school so so yeah so it, it, it was very um, it happened very quickly and she was super happy and it, it was such it was one of those things where it's like how we learn from children it's like this is how easy life can be yeah you can just be like this is who I am and I want to be loved for that and the kids are like okay <laughs> <laughs> what's next yeah <laughs> you want to play let's get out of here yeah all of the, like all these girls who wanted to have play dates like these same girls that were like we don't want to play with boys it's like oh you're a girl okay cool cool okay <laughs> thanks for clearing that up yeah wow yeah it's it very um no it's a it's a so so i guess because i've constantly been a witness to things that seem so tragic like seem so traumatic and i see and then they've they're immediately able to be processed and become something positive. Like that's yeah. something that could have been very like, like yeah. this traumatic sort of thing. And, and it like just flipped, she just flipped the script on everything. And it was like, well, like you now. could have tried to fix manage and control the situation to control the outcomes, to make sure it was safe, but just trusting it was going to be okay. Exactly. It was okay. And exactly. And that's where I'm concerned about where we are as like a world right now. And that addiction to rage that you're talking about yeah. is because we're addicted to thinking that everything's going to be terrible. And because that everything looks terrible, we see the terrible side of everything. Yeah. We, we, so you're looking this way and you're missing, what's happening over here right and so our attention right now is is towards how terrible everything is when really what we should be doing is busting our ass right now to build strong you know infrastructure and because we can as women like we don't have to rely wholly on the government to do those things it's like we can simultaneously work on a lot of different things to protect our rights uh, yeah. to build our strength emotionally. Yeah. Um, and so, but we can't do that if we're all like, oh my God, I'm angry and I'm sad all the time. It's a lot of energy and a lot of time wasting to be on the internet all the time trying to win an argument with people who are not face-to-face having a connection. So it's not really like a nuanced you know, changing conversation. And not everybody's you know? the best writer. So I, I've seen people who, I'm sorry, I'm not the greatest writer. I'm always like, I have a, okay, I don't usually do opinions, but here is my opinion. Like, and it's silly. I'm like, please follow these other people that are much better at making this argument. Well, like, I feel like we need to start like saying like, this is going to be our spokesperson for this argument. They are, and, yes. and we just, and we just like, like, because right now, like everybody's nominating themselves as the expert on like you know this and I'm like what are you talking I'm like don't you, you I, like I have this one person in my in my feed who she's like a staunch feminist and she'll come on to a discussion that everything's going great 
And then she'll like blow it apart with like crazy language, like fuck all men and fuck you all. And it's just like, whoa, this was going off the rails and we were in a good space. It's just like so, someone buy her a boxing gym membership. Yeah. She's got to get this out. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, we need like a, you know, how they do like the Facebook verified. Like there, need, there needs to be like, okay, this person can calm. Verified. Yeah. They can calmly discuss these issues and you just get a little check. That way, if you see somebody, you know, having like this like long winded like crazy discussion about something you can look oh they're not verified they don't know what they're talking about. i love that by the way <laughs> that's so fun that's such a good additional structure because that like i've had moments where i've had friends that are like uh, a friend of mine he posted you know, he's very gay he's very out he's very flamboyant you know just hilarious and at one point he just posted on his like on his facebook of all things i love it when facebook drama makes the, i was like we're still paying attention to facebook what's happening um, <laughs> so it was just something like um fu- it was i think it was a trump supporter thing it was like fuck all trump supporters they should die and he almost lost a venue over it oh wow yeah and it was like and i, I remember talking to him about it and being you know being supportive in that like i understand why he feels the way he feels mm-hmm. you know what i mean um and I think that, like, I think that he wants to be outraged. So how can I say? How Don't can be I, outraged. Like you want to say to him, you want to get, you want to empower him to be outraged, right? Like, he, uh, yeah. Well, but no, I, I don't want to like, I don't want to dampen his like. I think at some point when somebody is like in the outrage cycle, there's a, a ton you can do mm-hmm. if they're not asking for like advice on how to proceed. Mm-hmm. But in a couple of weeks he called me and he was like, Hey, I'm having this thing and I don't know how to handle it. Cause it's more complicated than being outraged about something. It's more an interpersonal issue. Mm-hmm. We got to have a nice conversation about like how, how to conduct, like how to, how to be professional and still have these interpersonal relationships. And, and I, I, Sometimes I wonder if, like, I don't know why I'm rambling about this, but sometimes I wonder when the time and the place to say to your friend who, like, blows up the feed, like, hey. <laughs> like, I don't know. You remember that thing last week? Yeah, I don't know if you're helping. Maybe we could just, like, relax. Because I've definitely had that happen where I had to, like, there was this thing that happened in uh, L.A. with a venue, and these people got kicked out, and it was actually what I witnessed and what the internet reported were completely. I was. Is there. this the thing that happened at Hot Tub? Yes, I was there. Okay, I can tell you all about it. I would love to hear all about it. Yeah, uh, the <laughs> women who got kicked out were not the people that lodged the complaint. Okay, I was. I was there. Like it was the people who lodged the complaint were a different group of people. The people who got kicked out were happy heckling. Uh, they were being like ah like repeating lines okay and i think it was an issue of and and i have much respect for all the people involved i think it was an issue of like effective room management Mm -hmm. so like as a host she should be able to like be like okay listen i love that you are loving this show but i need you to turn it from an 11 to a six right and you do it in a fun way so people don't feel offended exactly or or like like i've uh, done road gigs in like red states and stuff and had people like yell maga and then have all the latinos in the room be like fuck you bitch and be like all right listen brown people we're not gonna be her up right now you know what i mean like just like speaking to whatever is happening in the room Um, there wasn't a lot of adjustment because, and especially the comics didn't really have long enough sets to do it themselves. So well, they shouldn't situ- have to. That's they the host shouldn't job. have to. That's, no. Yeah. So, so what I witnessed were like, it's long story. And when uh, when TJ went on stage, mm-hmm. he killed. Nobody walked out. Mm-hmm. The crowd fucking loved him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the comedians were all like 
dumbfounded in the back, like, like, like jaws on the floor. We were like, whoa. Like, <laughs> well, it probably all happened so quickly, too, Was it because it was a drop-in, right? Like, It was a drop-in, and up until that point, he had the most structured material, mm-hmm. so that was like... He went and and everybody. It was like literally like big TV credit, big TV credit, TJ, and then everybody was just like flipping out. But it was it was an interesting. So that go, happens, and then the host starts issuing a lot of apologies, like vague apologies to the crowd. And we're like, what's going on? So now, as an audience, like everyone feels unsafe, and because we're like, why is she apologizing? What's what just happened? And. Um, and then uh, they kicked out the hecklers. And in the morning, uh, the internet was like, these brave activists. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, that's not what happened. So what I did is to my friends who I like, love and respect, who were really going hard to the paint, like, like really like had woke up that morning and was like, this is the hill I'm going to die on. I messaged mm-hmm. him. I said, listen, this is what I witnessed. And these two events were separate. And I'm not saying the way everything was handled was correct. What I am saying is you're fighting of the wrong battle right now. Right. And like you can do with that information what you will. Not a po- like a few of them didn't take posts down. And then people started reaching out like, "Hey, I heard you know the real story." And I was like, "Yeah, I was there. And I was watching. I was watching my dude do a set." And it's also a hot tub's interesting because it's a very, very, very white audience. Yeah, <laughs> I've only been once, and I was like. I was like, where are all the, yeah, I, I turned very... around and I was like, there was like, uh, like two Latino comics next to me and I was like, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, it was very, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was very, it was very, in- it was an interesting experience and it really changed the way that I interact with social media. Mm-hmm. And because, because my dog in that fight is that my dude was doing the show and someone printed a article in a magazine, like paper or whatever, mm-hmm. Saying that all of those comedians should have been punished for not walking, and the deal is, is you're trying to go up on a show where like Conan's people are, yeah, and like, like where like is... industry is, and you've maybe been waiting a year, two years to do to the, do the spot. spot. Also, it goes back to what we were talking about before with platforms. platforms. Like exactly, you like when you, or especially if you're a marginalized voice. You have to use any platform you can to get to the point where you can amplify your voice to, so that you can have, instead of arguing with somebody on Facebook, you're debating somebody on the national stage. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. that's the platform that we need. And you can only get to that platform sometimes by using problematic platforms. So expecting somebody to walk away from an opportunity because yeah. of something that somebody else did, I'm like, no, nah, I'm sorry. It would be like going back in time and being like, we all knew Louis was weird. Why did Wanda Sykes star in Pootie Tang? Right. And it's like, because. <laughs> well, and I had a problem with Pootie Tang aside from that. <laughs> I was just like, what is this what, shit? What yeah. is this crazy movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's a, fa- it's a fascinating. Um, <laughs> that's so I love that we've, we've gone from we've like, gone like, from like, that's how this goes. <laughs> this podcast is a journey. It's a journey in all the directions. But yeah, I, um, the other funny thing about that show, and this is just a side note, like, so my dude is like a, the, straight white male with like a fresh haircut so obviously he's looking a little scary like they're looking at him 
and they're like, oh, we saw you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, so he goes up on in like a nice, like, you know, he's got like, you know, nice clothes on. And now I could tell the crowd took a second to realize that he, he was doing his material that he would do in the comedy store uh, set that he knows works. And um, those are very different rooms. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting uh, because the set, he was, you know, doing his job. He was having a decent set, uh, maybe not hitting the way he'd like it to. And then he says, he has a joke that starts with, uh, so my girlfriend's Latina and the crowd gave him an applause break. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, well, that was different. He he literally made that face. He was like, okay. Uh, (laughs) He just goes back. But then he says, but she doesn't speak Spanish. And they were like, oh. He's like, I don't think you understand where the joke and the premise is here. Let me just keep going. And you guys just... (laughs) The joke is is he's teaching me Spanish. And so that's the last step in gentrification when you're giving the language back. Oh my God, that's so funny. (laughs) It's a great joke. That's really funny. It's a really funny joke. That's really good. But it took the the poor audience and gone through such a journey already. They had had TJ. They had had a weird apology. They had like... (laughs) They had this whole like journey and here's this guy that looks like a proud boy but is not and then he was like I have a Latina girlfriend they're like a reason to like you (laughs) (laughs) we celebrate you you're like just let me do the joke he's like hold on let's get there (laughs) wow what a weird night and what a weird night to have be the night that I'm assuming it was his hot tub debut was that like (laughs) yeah We do this thing with each other where, like, he's so nervous before the show, and I was like, hey, babe. I said, well, just so you know, um, the king of Hollywood is going to be in the audience, and he's uh, he's passing out TV shows tonight, so you got to really make sure that you kill, and that's our, like, way of, like, diffusing, because I'll be like, and he was like, what is the king of Hollywood even? I'll be like, hi, I'm the king of Hollywood. Oh I, I, for some reason, I pictured a raccoon, and you just made a voice that sounds like a sounds raccoon. Like a, exactly. So I'm like, oh, he's a raccoon, the king I of just Hollywood. crawled out of a bag of cocaine anyway (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving out TV shows are you willing to eat a hot dog made of cockroaches (laughs) yes yes I am it's non-union you're gonna get paid in Chuck E. Cheese money (laughs) I do like tokens you know like yeah why not (laughs) Uh, but anyway sorry we wow we really went there um (laughs) But that's the whole story. Okay. That's wow. the uh, now okay. it's going to be on the internet. That's the whole story. Because I will, I did a podcast the next day, and my homegirl Madison Shepard was like, "Did you hear what happened at Hot Tub?" I was like, "What do you mean? I was there." I was <laughs> like, "What are you talking about?" Well, it's like a terrible game of telephone, right? Yes. Where it's like by the time, and then what people are arguing about, and that's what you can't. I've seen that happen even in actual news stories where I've been um, in the country that I was in. Like it was like the news was reported yeah. wrong. Like the English language news was reported wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was like, did they, they, I'm like, this is a total, and that's when I realized I'm like so much about life that we accept and take for granted. We don't realize we're getting an interpretation. We're getting an interpretation filtered through someone always. Shakespeare kind of nailed it the first time where it's like when you start, when you start to retell the story, that's where the miscommunication happens. And that's where the real human experience happens Mm -hmm. through communication and through miscommunication. Mm -hmm. And that's where, and by the way, I don't mean to throw any shade at hot tub. Please book me. (laughs) I could use that platform. I'm the Latina. Black. <laughs> there were no black people there when I w- was there. You should 
Well, they did a good thing the next week. They did a whole lot, like Nicole Byer headline. It was okay. like a whole thing, but it was very interesting in that I, what I would like to have seen is like, if, if here's the deal, if you're listening to this and you don't like who's on a show, get up and leave. There's right. a comedian at the comedy store who used to say that. He'd be like, listen, I know you've survived my set, but here's the deal. Uh, if you, I suggest you stay in your seat and listen to the next comic for like two or three minutes. And if you hate them as much as you hate me, then get up and leave because they'll see you leaving and it's the most hurtful and effective thing you can do to show that they're bad at their job oh my god i love nothing more i'll do this at mics i'll do this at shows i don't care like if somebody gets on stage and does something or says something that i find misogynistic or transphobic Mm -hmm. i will aggressively get up not lightly get up i will aggressively get up in the middle of the set just so they know Oh, just yeah. so they know. <laughs> I've seen that at 12-step conventions, not just with the entertainment. Like, I saw Carlin walk half a room, which was crazy, oh, for wow. doing, like, an incest joke. And I was like, you being too sensitive. Um, <laughs> but then uh, in, like, so they'll have, like, shares, like, these big convention shares, like, 45 minutes of talking about your life and your story. And I've seen, like, old-timers in the front row just be like well, this is bullshit and get up and leave or okay. like women do the same thing. Just be like, I, I one time I was walking into this event and this woman's coming out. A bunch of women are coming out, shaking their heads. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, I don't want to listen to this fucking misogynist. Like, what's he going to teach me about spiritual principles? Right. You know, like, so I, yeah, if, if somebody, if somebody is that, you know, disagreeable to you, you are able to leave. Yeah. You know, and you're also able to not write on the wall on the Facebook wall. I think that's yes. what we all, that's the lesson we all need to learn. Yeah, <laughs> so like if every woman in the crowd would have been like, boo, <laughs> fucking boo, that would have been funny. Yeah. And yeah. also, TJ, God bless him, he has a traumatic brain injury. He had a oh, stroke. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he has a thing called an arterial vascular malformation. You, he uh, had a stroke, like a bajillion years ago oh so he's like acting out like this is all like yeah. neurological no one talks stuff about going it. on he talks about it on like an early pete holmes episode okay, like an early him. you made it weird and i dated a guy with that very same brain injury situation wow. so i know for a fact they're crazy yeah and <laughs> and i can think that as the issue it's like and if not you give that, if you give that a platform yeah. Then exactly. you're responsible for what happens when yeah. that person gets up on. Yeah, the, he moved the, to Sweden. Part. He's not in a public eye. Like, wow. <laughs> like hashtag not all ABMs, I guess. But like, you know, it's it's traumatic brain injuries are a thing. Like, that's hmm. a, anyway. Sorry, that's a whole other tangent. Yeah. Um, what would you say has been the most fascinating thing you've learned about yourself in your journey? Oh, that I can survive anything. Fuck yeah, you can. I don't want to. I'm not going to tell the universe that I want to survive anything. No, like, not extra. Don't get it confused. Don't send me more shit. Mm -hmm. I'm done with surviving shit. Yeah. (laughs) I only want to thrive now. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. This is is not Beyonce, I'm a survivor. This is like lemonade, leave me alone. Yeah. It's like, it's cool. I got this. We're on the up and up now. All good, all good, all good. It's fine. Yeah, it's been been really cool. now looking back on things because there were and and I knew this even five or six years ago so when I was going through the trial and I was going through kind of all the like PTSD stuff afterwards I knew it was temporary like there was a point in time I was convinced a pigeon was following me like it had like a little uh, wrist like a little thing on its ankle like a little Mm -hmm. metal like bracelet and I was convinced my ex had like hired like a company and that this pigeon like that's how bad I was and even at the time like when I was thoroughly convinced of this I also knew like there's going to be a day where I'm not 
this paranoid. So like, and it was weird because it was like I was conscious of the fact that this pigeon's probably not following me, but I changed my behavior every time I saw this pigeon. I saw the pigeon three times, like in a span of like a week. So like, and it could have been a different pigeon with a different, they, I'm sure they were just yeah. tracking pigeons for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. I was like, it's the same pigeon. Um, and so knowing at, at the time, knowing that I'd survived other things, because before it was like, oh, I survived rape so I can survive everything. But then that so right. much, because I had always said like, if I ever got raped, I'd kill myself. And then I got raped and I was like, oh, I can't kill myself. Like, I don't yeah. want to kill myself. So... Um, and then, but so much time had passed that I'd forgotten almost what it was like to survive that and the fact that I did and that it takes time. Um, and so knowing now, and I really do believe in like neuroplasticity and I like to study the brain and we were talking like mind body connection is that with the right tools and mechanisms, you can, um, not just overcome things and conquer things, but you can also like help people along the way yeah like to, and to me that's the most important thing is like showing other women like hey I used to think a pigeon was following me and now look where I'm at like yeah. hey I used to be afraid to even speak up for myself anymore and now I get up on a stage and I tell um jokes like so yeah. it's it's being you know it's it's going through those things but then also learning how and why I did it so that I can then communicate it to other people like yeah. you can do this too like it's we beautiful. all can. Yeah. So. I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> what would you say your level of honesty is in your life? Oh God, a hundred percent, unfortunately too, too much, too much honesty. Yeah. Too yeah. much. Um, I, I try to be honest and kind. Um, but sometimes honesty isn't kind. Yeah. Honesty without compassion is brutality. That's the thing they say mm-hmm. a lot in 12 step programs. Oh, wow. so it's I like, like that. Honesty without compassion is brutality. Yeah. Jesus. I want to get that tattooed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's cause the scenes in 12 steps are so good. Like the thing that it got me through was, uh, I, the, the serenity prayer is yeah. actually what got me through my whole journey. Yeah. I was just like, and that's when I realized like I, I can bust out of a country cause God grant me the serenity of the things I can yeah. change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. And I fucking know what I can do. And so it's, you guys have good sayings. Thank you. Thank <laughs> I was like, you. we need those sayings. We have to repeat things over and over cause we have our little brain damage usually when we get here. But yeah, it's a lot of like repetitive, positive affirmations. Well, they're basically. mantras. Those and are mantras. mantras. Yeah. 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 There's a part of me that always wants to shell out that money for the TM, but I already have all these mantras. Well, and I don't think you, again, like I, all the meditation that I've ever done, I've never, you know, I've, I've gone to different types of meditation yeah. retreats and practices, but I just kind of sit. So it's like, you don't need to do those things, but you can do those things if you want yeah. to like shell out the money, but if you don't want to don't and yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You can do yoga on YouTube. You yeah. don't have to go to the expensive class. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah. What's, this is, <laughs> what's one thing uh, you would like to, um, how do you deal with fear and anxiety? Oh God. Fear and anxiety real. That shit's real. Cause like yeah. I, I deal, I have, I have fear and anxiety all the time. Like before I go up on stage, depending on like the type of room, um, that I'm going up on or if it's, there's just something different or if I'm like not sure what set I want to do, um, or just even in life in general, um, I use mantras. Yeah. So I have stuff that I say to myself, I have, I have a pep talk that I recorded that's on my phone that I haven't actually listened to, but in the recording of it, I just was yes. so silly. 
that I'll think about it. Like, it's like, you got this, you crushed this. Like, you're like, yeah. like all these different like brain tricks that, yeah. uh, that I could use. And then honestly, the bottom line is none of this shit matters. Yeah. Like, I very much believe that, like, I'm, like, obsessed with The Matrix as a movie and as a lifestyle. And I'm, like, you know, at the <laughs> There's end, a philosophy book that was written after The Matrix was uh, released. You should... I can't remember. There's actually a lot of them. Yeah. And I think at the time I read them, but it's been so it's been like, 20 yeah. years that now I don't remember any of the stuff. But, yeah, I mean, The Matrix is, like, heavy. It's, like, so heavy. Like, yeah. It's, so, it's dripping with amazing philosophy. And so, for me, like, when I get, when I get stressed to the point of, like, oh, my God, like, I'm, like... And in, in you, it, because I meditate, I usually don't get to that point. Um, but if I skip meditation for like a few days, and then something comes up that's like high priority, and then I like anxiety might get triggered. And like I don't smoke weed, I don't do like I don't yeah. do any of that stuff. Like I did a long time ago, but not anymore. Like not since yeah, like, probably like it's not seven thing. years or something. Yeah. Um, so I just incorporate breathing techniques, mantras, just and then just saying like, and at the end of the day, none of this matters because our lives, like if we're even having the luxury of sitting here and talking to each other and thinking about these yeah. things means that we're, we've got more going for us than a lot of people. Like we're not sitting here going, oh, I'm hungry. You yeah. Know, so I, I kind of, it's that perspective. Our Maslow's hierarchy are generally met. Yeah. And exactly. to like remember that gives us the freedom to contemplate things like how we're treated and like how to burn the patriarchy down. Like that's the thing is we're too free. Exactly. To, we we got to make us scared. We have so too we're much not free. free time on our hands. We're like craft beer and coffees <laughs> and yeah, like there's a lot. We it's almost like we need to take all of our our things away and we'll remember how how good we have it. <laughs> Yeah, or we could just remember how good we have it and yeah. like try to help others. I think that's maybe everybody needs needs to go to a meeting where a guy lost a leg six months ago and you could be like, Okay. Yeah. Not that big a deal. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. I We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're fine. I don't know. What is one thing you'd like to change about yourself? Um I would say like I wanna stop being so hard on myself. Um, but I like being hard on myself, so like in theory, how are you want to change on it? yourself? Um, I hold myself to an incredibly high standard, and I keep me too. And I keep moving the bar. So yeah. like once I reach it, I yeah. don't spend all that much time in like Woo, yeah. Because to me, life is about growth and evolution, not about comfort. So like my friends will say like you're going to spin yourself out of control if you keep like like can't you just be like chill and and I'm no like, I'm evolving up in here. Yeah, and exactly. to me, my priority is evolving. Um, so I guess if they're like, I don't know. I what's the question? One thing I could change about myself? Yeah, I'd have a billion dollars fall in my lap right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I would change about. We're myself. manifesting a billion dollars <laughs> right now. Amplify it. This room is a vortex. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It's already so echoey. We yeah. could just like amplify the whole thing. Yes. Oh, I love that. What? Um, Okay, so we got the change thing. Okay, so what is your experience of forgiveness? Because you've had a whole life mm -hmm. where, like, there have been a lot of heavy things. Mm -hmm. Like, what's your experience? Um, I believe in forgiveness. Okay. Um, I used to over-forgive. I used to think forgiving meant um, allowing somebody to continue that behavior, even if it hurts you. Yeah. Um, whereas now, and this has been a very tough one for me, I have forgiven and then I let go 
in, in the meaning in the sense like I can forgive you, but I can also never talk to you again because it because we can't coexist in the same space. So for in before I used to feel like no 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 you always have to like you have to let somebody into your space you have to let somebody into your energy that's like in and and yeah in comedy you can't always do that you yeah. get rocked because yeah. there's a lot of crazy energy there's in and if you believe in energy and you believe in those things the sanctity of your space and your energy are very important and the problem is not everybody is vibrating at the same level so you'll have people who aren't exactly the nicest people very much take advantage of somebody who is compassionate. Mm. They'll see that and they'll see that they can take advantage of that. And I think my whole goal now is to like be above that in the sense that if you vibrate at a high enough level, like evil can't find you. Like, okay. And so there's nothing to forgive because you're vibrating at such a high level that it's like nobody, it's like you become not untouchable, but it's kind of like if you don't have buttons to push, Nobody can push them, so there's nothing to forgive. Okay. There's no transgression if you give freely. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if I'm ex- describing that um, well enough. Um, but I found that, like, you know, with my father, he's bipolar. I forgive him. Um, he'll go years without talking to me, and then he'll want to talk, and I'll talk to him but then I won't engage in further conversation. Like I'll kind of have like the, because it's like, okay, cool. Like we've established, this is the space that we exist in. I'm not going to hold it against you that you stopped talking to me because I didn't give you my exact address and I gave you a PO box. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) I was like, I gave everybody a PO box. I don't know why you had to take that so personally. Um, So in, in understanding like that's coming from their perspective and then from my perspective, like, what do I need to do to maintain my positivity and energy? And so it's like, forgive, but that doesn't mean to let somebody hit you over and over again with whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, don't know I like that. Well. Yeah. I like that. What's the weirdest amends you've ever had to give in your life? Oh God. I'm trying to think. I'm like scanning my... I'm, scan, I'm scanning my relationships now, trying to think of like when I've been a terrible person. Because <laughs> um, we're all people. We all make mistakes. Right. I've definitely had moments where I'm like, I'm sorry. Um, I think I was probably, I, I can't speak to any specific situation, but I think there was probably definitely a period in my life where I was just as hard on everybody else as I was on, uh, mm. on myself. The perfectionism trap. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I'm like, well, I'm always working on myself, so you always need to be working on yourself, so I don't give a crap that you have an emotional illness. I don't, you know, I think um, even with my dad, like, understanding bipolar disorder is a very difficult uh, disorder to understand. Yeah. It's very difficult to understand because it's like they, the way they behave, if they're on medication or off medication. Um, so I think, like, having to... Uh, apologize to my dad <laughs> for he uh, he had had he'd had, had a, uh, a company that he was trying to do um, like he was trying to launch and it was like he's kind of already like this feels like he's never going to hear this so it doesn't matter um, <laughs> but like he'd kind of reached the point where he shouldn't be working but he was still like trying to get rich, trying to. And so yeah. this one company was like 
taking advantage of him. And I was so immature. At the was it Amway? It might as well have been. It wasn't. <laughs> it might as well have been. But he, I ended up calling this company. Like, I was a child. I wasn't a child. I was in my 20s. But I, like, called this company. And I, like, went off on these total strangers. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, but, like, being in your 20s, some people are, like, adults at 20. And some people are just having their adolescence again. Like, it's just a thing. Yeah, I was having my adolescence <laughs> Me <again>. too. <laughs> um, and so it kind of, like torpedoed the like the this is the company he was working on wasn't gonna work anyway but i definitely torpedoed his um oh. his confidence his i mean it was a it was just wacky behavior i mean this is when i was like living in vegas and partying and yeah etc and so like i thought i was doing the right thing it was terrible so flash forward like obviously he didn't talk to me for years um and i actually had to track him down um, I had to track him down. Um, his even his like sisters wouldn't give me his information, so I ended Whoa. up using like tax uh, property tax rolls to like find him. And I Whoa. tracked him down and found his house and went to his house and then like apologized profusely, sat on his lap and like cried like a baby. And wow, yeah, yeah. so wow, yeah, that's powerful. Because even with with somebody with mental illness, it can be very it's a vulnerable. To be like, listen, I fucked up. Because in the mind, it's very easy to be like, you're the sick person. I couldn't have fucked up. (laughs) I definitely, yeah, and I definitely fucked up. (laughs) I was like, I'm like, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Those are the ones that really were. I'm just like, yeah, I did it. I I fucked up. I just, I just, I don't, I thought I was doing the right, I thought I was helping, and I fucked up, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I had no excuses. Like, I had no excuse. I had zero excuse. Like, it was not my, it was not my business to meddle in his business. And as much yeah. as I could try to portray myself as a hero in that situation, it was yeah. like, no. Like, I don't even know if they gave him his money back. I don't even remember. I don't know. Yeah. But it was, yeah. Bad news bears all around. Yeah. <sighs> You're a hero. Again. <laughs> no, you did the right thing. But of. you did the right thing. That's the thing is that's the, you did, you, you admitted the fault. Yeah. And that's. That's where the growth is. You could still spiritually be in that place if you had never admitted the fault. Right. Well, and I, like, you know, I just, he didn't give me, like, the happiest childhood. So I very easily could have been like, fuck you. That's what you deserve. Um, Right. But I was like, that's, that's just not who I want to be as a person. So not everybody, I don't know if you know that, but not everybody's vibrating at that frequency. (laughs) (laughs) They're just not. They're just like, nah, that's fucked up. Oh, well, okay, moving on. Like, sometimes I feel like life would be a lot easier that way. Um, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think passion and and forgiveness and etc. As long as you stay safe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What is uh, the things that you do? You've talked about this a lot. What is your day to day to like maintain who you are? Mm-hmm. Um, I have like rules, like rigid rules for the way I like kind of go about my life on a day to day that I completely will fuck off and not do any of those and be okay with it. Okay. So like I'm rigid, but also like super lax. Um, okay. So like for me, I'm like, Oh, I've got to do my workout every day. I've got to like, I've got to do weights. They make me feel strong and powerful in a world where people try to make women feel weak. So yes. like to me, it's important to do like a hardcore, like weights or like sprinting workout. So I can just be like, yeah, I'm ready to fuck anybody up at any given point in time. Yeah. So let's do this. Yeah. Um, the meditation, um, is just for centering and like, um, eating right and drinking water. 
are like so important to me. Um, but also like yesterday I had like two donuts and a baguette and I felt it. Like I felt like crap after, <laughs> like I felt it, <laughs> but I was like, whatever. And then today I told myself, don't get donuts again. Don't get, you better wait till tomorrow put to those, get more donuts. Put those donuts though. They're so good. Portland's a good oh donut my city. God, like what are they doing with these donuts? I mean, they're making them delicious. I would eat donuts every day if I it would be a problem it's because the weather here screams comfort carbs oh my god yes yeah I had a baguette like I haven't had a baguette I was like do you have baguettes and butter and like (laughs) and I literally sat after having two donuts and had a baguette and butter after having a bowl of ramen oh my god like literally yesterday it was just like carbs all day long and listen cheat day yeah vacation it wasn't even a cheat day it was just like i want want to do it right yeah Yeah. but that's like like that's again that goes back to the like not being hard on myself for not sticking to a routine like i tell like i have different things that i'm working on that i'm writing and it's like so if i'm working on a set list or i'm writing new jokes or new tags or i'm working on my solo show like i as long as i'm working on something yeah like, I'm like, I worked on something today. You did it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I have my to-do lists that sometimes, like, I crush them, and then sometimes it's like, well, I got nothing done on that to-do list, and I know why. It's because I scattered around and was like, oh, well, if I send this email, it's going to be in a minute. And I'm like, whatever, that's life. The thing I do is I overpack the to-do list, mm-hmm. and then I get down on myself for not completing the to-do list, and it's like, and it becomes this vicious perfectionist cycle, and it's like, you know, it's some days the to-do list needs to be rest, yeah, because I can't show up for the things that I want to do on Monday if I don't rest on Sunday or whatever, you yeah. know what I mean? And I like using Sunday as like a day of rest. Yeah. It's important. I have a friend who only puts one, he's a writer, he lives in LA, he only puts one thing on his to-do list every day. He's like, as otherwise he wouldn't get things. And I was like, when I you told me that. like two things. I'm and like, who are was, you? Yeah, I was like, I put like 12 things on my to-do list. You know what they are? I hate to say this, they're men. I don't know any <laughs> woman who's like, you know what, I'm gonna do two things today. That's it. It's like, no. Oh my gosh, our bodies won't even allow us to only do two things in a day. And when he told me, I was like, you know, that sounds logical. Um, let me try that. And immediately the next day, I was like, hell no. I got to get this done, this done, this done, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Your mom. It's like a thing. Yeah. You but maybe I on. should try, like, just for, like, one day. One day, try to do just one thing. Maybe do it, like, a week. It'd be good, like, writing for exercise. For a week? You to know, do one thing a okay, day? maybe, like, one day. Talk about a challenge. I know, right? It's the like, one thing a day challenge. I don't even... I, but I wonder... How does he define a thing, by the way? Is it like normal stuff? Is it like doing the dishes or is it like... No, no. It's like, you know, because he's a screenwriter. So it's like, uh, you know, write, write, this treat, write this treatment or oh. like uh, write X amount of, you know, pages or something. Oh, okay. but, it's ne- but it's not like, he definitely doesn't say like, I'm going to work on this project and then I'm going to work, you know, he's working on multiple projects yeah. at a time and he doesn't do that. Whereas to me, I'm bouncing around all day through like four, diff- five different things. Yeah, yeah. Because you're building a stand-up act, and you're trying to do independent projects around that. Because that's what they tell you. They're like, "Great, welcome to stand-up." So you started a little later in life. Here's what you got to do. We need three specs. We're going to need a full pilot with a character arc. <laughs> They're uh, like, "You don't have a writing packet yet." You don't have it ready. <laughs> How long have you been doing stand-up? Oh, okay, only four years. But like, also, you're in your late 30s, early 40s. You gotta like. 
Yeah. You gotta like get that going. Anyway, if you take any acting classes, how's your improv game? Like, and you're like, I'm just learning how to write one joke. <laughs> you know, can I just write jokes? Can about I just we're gonna do here? And they're like, No. What do your headshots look like? Are they current? Like, right. well, I think that's the thing that a lot, you know, very few people realize is like, it's the it's comedy and it's a business, and you've got to have yeah. your business mode that you're in and your creative mode that you're in. And if you're a creative person, it can be very difficult to switch back and forth between those modes. Like, yeah. you've got to have those days where you sit down. And they're like, I'm sending out booking emails. And it's like, <sighs> it's drama to try to like, and so I bought one of those journals, the self journal, and I have not used it yet. It's like this journal that's like, doesn't have the calendar months in it. It just has like, you know, like it's like a 13 week sort of journal and okay. you are supposed to fill it out to your liking. And it's got like inspirational quotes in oh, okay. it. And it's like this whole movement sort of thing. Okay. And I haven't used it yet because I feel like almost like intimidated by being forced into this, like, I'm going to do this, 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 and it's going to be done by this day and this day. Yeah. But I feel like if I do do that, it's going to like maximize my time in a way that I'm going to be able to accomplish so much more. Yeah. But I think I'm afraid to do Have that. Have you done the artist way? No. The artist way is like, um, it's sort of like 12 steps for creatives, okay. but it's like, uh, it's a 12 week program and you do all these like writing exercises, super daunting. There's like okay. a lot of work involved, but it's supposed to like hard reset your creativity. It's like helps you kind of like, I think you're probably a lot of the concepts will resonate with you as like, um, familiar mm-hmm. and like totally doable. Okay. Some people, they get the artist way and they're like, this is the only time I've had this conversation. But I think you're already kind of like on that quest anyway. It might be supplemental. It might be, you know. I was like, it sounds long. (laughs) It is long. It is long and it's like super structured. I'm like, "Mm, hmm. Sounds like this journal that I'm avoiding using. Yeah. (laughs) "Mm." I was like, I'm an artist. I can't do that. I know. I have like a passion planner. My roommate gave me a passion planner and I've used it because I realized that like writing things down for me is very helpful. Um, I used to be an all digital person and now I'm like, ooh, I'm writing things down. I'm like using a steno pad to write jokes. Mm. And like they say, I think it's like you're 14 times more likely. There's some like actual number attributed to like, oh, if you write it down, it's like repeating it 14 times like writing it oh. once is like repeating it out loud. like like basically the minute you write something down like with your hand oh. you remember it do you ever work with comics that never write their jokes down yes and weird I'm like, right what? i'm like what i know how what? i don't know i have like catalogs yeah I, I realized recently I was like I gotta digitize what I'm doing again because I have like gone to so much to like writing it by hand. You so I write by hand and then I put it I digitize it the same day. Oh, smart! So I keep a document where I have like it's a it's a document that just is like all bits and yeah. I so regardless of whether I wrote something on my phone or I wrote it on a napkin, I that smart. same night I usually copy it into that document even if it's just a premise or one line yeah. and that way I know one I'm never going to lose it um, and two like I can work on it from whatever because so once it's in my yeah. Google Drive then if I'm like on my phone or am I on my computer yeah. or if I'm you know, anywhere I'm at I can like go in and like add to the joke I love that yeah. I love that since I've been at this festival I've been looking back at like my old records of like jokes and stuff because I'll hear somebody say something and I'll be like oh I have a joke about that yeah. oh and like bringing back like dusting off some old yeah. bits it's been a good like moment to like be like oh wait a minute I have I have a joke about not saying I love you and yeah. just like well and keep by digitizing stuff especially like Google Drive it's so great because you can just search the keyword 
Yeah. And it's like, oh, there, there's that thing and there's the nub of the joke that I was going to finish and I never did and you can come back to it. Like, I have jokes that, like, are just sitting there that I'm like, one day I'm going to write this joke and I just love knowing that it's... It's just, like, it's, in there. It's in there and I don't it's have to worry about losing it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What is your um, relationship with your higher power? With my heart power? Higher power. Oh, my higher power. It's like my heart power. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I need water. Um... um my uh, so I believe very 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 strongly that um, everything is like energy based. So for me, the higher power is the collective. Okay. Which is why it's so important for me to like be a good person and yeah. try to influence people in a way that's positive. Um, because I feel like our we have a mission, right? Like yeah. To me, we're put on this planet to fulfill a mission. Fulfilling that mission is our life's purpose. And if we fulfill that mission, then we feel good. If we're not fulfilling that mission, we're like, what the fuck? And then that's where people are mean and angry and crazy is because they're not fulfilling their mission. And so to me, we come onto this planet, we're born into it, and it's like, this is your mission. And then your mission is to figure out what your mission is and then to carry it out. Yeah. So um, I don't believe in like a singular higher power. I believe in a a, a, an energy ball, a collection yeah. of, of energy, and we're all a part of it, and we're all connected. Yeah. Um, you know, from a scientific perspective. So for me, it's about like the mission. That's my this, to me. I'm like, oh, you gave like when I meditate, I will sometimes be like, yo, what's my mission? And they're like, I told you your mission last week, and you didn't pay attention. You didn't do shit. I'm like, oh my bad, you're right. Um, you told me, and I need to like refocus. And because yeah. like you ask what your mission is, they tell you, and then people will get scared and not want to fulfill it. And so for me, I look at like, almost like I'm a soldier for like what I'm supposed to be doing. And for me, like my mission is building a platform for women. And so I love that. What is your, what do you do when you get scared with an idea? Like I had an idea to start a comedy festival and Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh fuck. Like it felt really powerful. And I like talked to this really powerful person and then it just sort of like fell apart in my hands. Maybe it's maybe it's part of your mission, but not part of your mission for right now. Like I think sometimes we see glimpses of what we're supposed to be doing, and we assume that we're supposed to be doing them right now. Ah. And the hesitation is, oh, well, maybe there are a bunch of other things I'm supposed to do before I fulfill that part of my mission. Like I think sometimes we're we forget that it's like there's all these other steps and so if that's not if doing the festival for you isn't the most immediate step because you want to grow as a comic or as this or that or maybe like the comedy is more important to you than the actual producing of a festival like I'm not huge into I tried producing shows I like it I also don't like it like there's aspect like to me and I realize you know what I really want to focus on me as a comic right yeah so I feel like when I get afraid I ask myself where that fear is coming from and then I say like is this a legitimate fear is in like in what like what's the basis of this like is it and maybe it is really just that it's not the right time Ah. but if if I find out the fear is like I'm just fearing I'm not good enough or that I'm not ready then I'm like get over it and what's the worst going to happen like is it going to be like oh like none of this stuff is life threatening so okay that's what i try to do with it when it becomes like yeah yeah crazy i love that that's beautiful thank you for that i'm like (laughs) tell me how to be a person (laughs) please what's one thing you would want to give to somebody listening to this just like you Don't be hard on yourself. Like seriously, the same thing. I like. I I have so many friends who like 
I'm like, just don't be hard on yourself, man. Like, I think people look at the stuff that I've accomplished or that I do, and they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, there were times where I was like, I like was so depressed and near suicidal that like I had to call a hotline, you know, like don't be so hard on yourself that if um, you feel like, Oh my God, like if I don't accomplish X, Y, and Z by X date, the whole world is going to end. It's like, just love yourself, love the world that you're in, regardless of how tragic it may seem like it's all part of the process. So like, some like I the, the simplest thing for me is like sometimes it's raining sometimes it's sunny and that's just a part of the growth like yeah. and so that allows it when things are really bad like I just went through another divorce and it was like everybody's like are you okay and I'm like yeah I'm fine because like yeah it sucks but like yeah what are you gonna do yeah what are you gonna do and it's like you've loved once you'll love again like yeah. that's how life is sometimes it's been yeah you know what the you know what's worse than a divorce being in a shitty relationship until you die. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> or, you know, and being in, in being so, like, Ty almost said being so married to something, but, like, being so tied to something that you don't recognize that it's no longer healthy. And yeah. so I think, like, the way we've structured society has made it very difficult for people to just be themselves. And so we end up hurting ourselves trying to conform to what, a marriage looks like or what a career looks like or what happiness looks like and so my thing now is like do it like fulfill yourself like if, you, if it doesn't yeah. fulfill you don't do it and if it's something that you have to do temporarily recognize that like maybe your job doesn't fulfill you but like if it's something you need to do to get you from point a to point b yeah. look at it and go this is temporary i'm doing this shit for a year and i'm out yes and find a thing that does so let's say you have the job but like the job isn't the thing that defines you let's say you're the best goddamn scrapbooker in all of your town and you fucking that fulfills you fucking be that scrapbooker yeah. like Figure that thing out that it brings you joy. It's like it's it's private behavior. We have to find a thing that brings us joy. Otherwise, slipping down the hierarchy of accomplishment or whatever it is will kill us. That's yeah. like a thing that they've studied. Wow. And so it's like that's why um, company softball leagues are so important because <laughs> Dave might be a janitor and fucking hate it, but damn it, he can hit a home run at every goddamn company softball game. It's like we have to have structures that bring us joy and accomplishment, and if it's not your job, that's fine. If it is your job, that's mm -hmm. fine. This is not, the instability of an entertainment career is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. It truly isn't. Well, and it depends on how they approach it, too. Like, True. You know, this the idea that we have to make money doing the thing that we love, I always thought was very interesting because it's like, I think it it's... A, in some ways a trap because yes. if somebody's not making money doing the thing that they love they're like oh like I'm, I'm less of a person right and I think like I've, like you know vocation I'm really I'm like a word nerd and vocation comes from like uh, the root word is like from calling like what's your calling right and so this idea like for me I'm like oh my god comedy is my calling being on stage is my calling that's what I'm meant to do and if I'm not making money doing this then everything's terrible and it's like that's such a weird way to look at it it's like no I prefer to look at it as like you do the thing that you love to do and it fulfills you. And if it's the thing that you're meant to do, resources will co coalesce behind you to make that continuously possible. I love that. Because people like to be around joy. People like to be around people who are fulfilling their purpose. And so eventually, if you're true in that purpose, people will come behind that and support that. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, trusting the process. Ah, I love that. What a beautiful way to end this podcast. You're amazing. Did you have a good time? Are you feeling good about this? I am feeling good about this. I love it. I I, I love uh, conversations. I love, um, this is what I miss about the world that we live in today is like, like what is a podcast now is what people just used to do. Like people used to talk to each other. And learn from each other. Well, but that's the thing is we got backstage and we just started talking. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's, I'm all about the connection element. That's yeah. where I, I love what I do because I get to connect with people. I connect with audiences. Mm-hmm. I connect with the story behind this podcast is I went to my mentor and I said, I'm, I keep connecting with these people in comedy, but they keep like dumping their sadness in my heart. And he was like, <laughs> he said, well, you can walk away from conversations that don't work for you, but also that's a valuable skill. You should start a podcast. And it was literally like he turned to his friend and his friend said, you should call it 12 questions. And that's literally talking about the universe just being like, here you go. Boop. Yeah. I just got chills. Do a thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, do this. Yeah. Yeah. And now I just try to listen to that as much as possible. The funny thing is, is it's like, you're right. Confusing that thing between like when you have like one of my favorite people, Carlos Delgado, we like tried to do like a podcast together. And then the truth is, is our relationship is a relationship. We talk, we laugh, we, Mm -hmm. we encourage each other, but that is, it's not meant it's at this time, not meant for the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's just like, we're allowed to have one relationship in comedy and in life that isn't on display. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I, I love this. I love connecting with people. I love people. I love asking people questions from like the world that I come from. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. <laughs> and now you've gone through, cause we went through so many serious topics. We've gone through, um, you're going by an alias, which I super duper respect. What is, I usually ask people, what, uh, where can people find you? But what I'd like to ask you is what do you want people to seek? Like if there's, if there's like a person or like a thing on the internet or an Instagram or like what social media thing do you want them to seek out or get off of it? Um, actually, no, I, there is a show that I watch called impact theory. Um, it's this guy, Tom Bilyeu and he, uh, it's a web series where like, I think three times a week he brings on people who have you know, overcome, you know, being a refugee and then they, you know, build up a business and then everything falls apart. And then, and so he has these ways of asking questions that elicit so much information from people that may not be used to sharing all of this information. And there's, they're, they're amazing. And I find them so inspiring. So I would say that's my, that's my go-to. I watch every single episode and uh, I would say other people should watch it too. I love that. Check out Impact Theory. Um, you can find me at Anna V is Fun on Twitter, Instagram. You can also find my other podcast, Brouhaha Podcast on the Unpops Network. You can find out where I'm going to be in the country at AnnaValenzuela.com. If I am in your area and you love this podcast and you want to be on it, hit me up. I'm, we're we're booking. <laughs> um, so, uh, Keisha, if nobody's told you this today... I love you. Oh my God. I love you too. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Seriously. It's like, this is uh, a bright light. I think sometimes it's like, Oh, like somebody actually wants to talk again. And it's like, it's a very, very cool thing. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to like share some of the things that I've learned and share it with your listeners. So thank you so much for having me. And if you're listening to this today and nobody's told you this, we love you. you. Okay. Bye. (laughs)